glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast brought to you guys by the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find us and a bunch of other great podcasts such as Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto of SiriusXM, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, and Anthony Servito of FF Faceoff, all on the FullTimeFantasy.com website. Check them out and check us out. We will also be at the Fantasy Football World Championships September 5th through 8th. Uh, we will be recording live from Radio Row at the FFWC on September 6th and 7th in the Palms Resort in Las Vegas. Got a really small episode for you guys today. Uh, just me and Dennis going to be talking about some of the breaking news or NFL news that have been happening over the past couple days. And then we will recap last night's Hall of Fame game and then give you guys just kind of an idea and what we think of uh, Hall of Fame weekend in the NFL. So let's get Dennis on here. What's going on, Dennis? Thank you for joining me once again today to, to kind of go over the, the NFL news and some Hall of Fame stuff. How you doing this weekend? Or you know, I'm, weekend? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to finally getting close to wrapping up this whole tiling job. I think uh, by the time the weekend closes, I'll be down to about uh, 25% of the kitchen, maybe 50% of the kitchen left to go, and that'll be it. So that'll be nice to finally be over with. I feel like I'm tiling the entire west side of the Franklin County here. So it seems to never end. <laughs> I hear you, man. I know we were talking about this last night with Ray. Uh, me and my wife had to do the same thing. Uh, was it two years ago, I think? when uh, The year that Todd Gurley went just insane in the fantasy football playoffs. Because I was... I ended up getting mad because I was playing someone who had Todd Gurley. I ended up beating him, but after the the game where Gurley just went off, whatever that was that year, I think Christmas was on like a Saturday or something like that. But that's what we were doing. We were we were using our time off to for the holidays to do that. And yeah, it's not a lot of fun. It sucks. So I, I feel your pain there. And uh, but it's gonna look really good when you're all done. I know that for sure. I've already seen some of the pictures. So I'm, I can imagine once you guys get done, it'll be nice to kind of sit back and just kind of. Why, or not watch, but look at everything you guys have done. Yeah, the rooms that we have finished, when I look at it, they, you know, they give me pleasure. <laughs> I feel a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I can imagine that you do, especially after all the hard work that you guys are putting in. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. All right, so the breaking news or NFL news that we've had the past couple days, uh, still a lot of it's going to be centered around the Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott uh, holdouts, uh, if that's the way you want to put them. Let's start with Melvin Gordon because I think, I don't know if you can say either one is more important than the other right now, but... Melvin Gordon's agent has come out and said that they've requested a trade, even though uh, the Los Angeles Chargers have come out and said they have not given his agent permission to seek a trade partner. 
I don't, personally, I don't know where this is going to go, uh, so I'll let you go first, but it does seem like their, their difference is two to three million is what I'm seeing everywhere and how much they want a year. Uh, your thoughts on this whole Melvin Gordon contract situation, what you think is going to happen, uh, and what you think Melvin Gordon should do, I guess. Well, obviously, I, I play fantasy football, not real football, so I think Melvin Gordon should report. But that, that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, it, it's a situation where running backs as a position have become devalued when it comes to compensation. And I don't know the best way to answer that. You know, they, they take a beating. If, if you're a top-tier running back... You're gonna come in, and year one, you're gonna you're gonna be the starter. They don't draft you to come in and earn your place on the team. They draft you to come in and be the star running back. So Elliott came in, Gordon came in. You know, Josh Jacobs is gonna come in, and you know he's a first rounder. They may tinker around in training camp that first year, but he's fully expected to be that starter. So if you're Zeke Elliott, you sign a four-year contract with a fifth-year team option. And if you're good, you're going to touch the ball 300, 350 times a year. And at the end of that contract, you've racked up 15 or 1,600 touches if you stayed healthy. And that's a lot of wear and tear. And it's super rare for you to be able to continue to perform at that level into that second contract. So... You're probably now, you're 27, 28 years old. You might have another year or two, but they're not going to start paying you wide receiver quarterback money because the league structures things with the assumption that you're going to be done in a couple years. Or maybe not done, but in a couple years, you're not going to be worth you know, $8 million, $10 million, $15 million a year. I, For me, I look at it and I think... The, the real leverage isn't in the holdout. The real leverage is going to come when the rookies go, I know I'm good enough. I, I'm going to come in. I'm going to perform. So I'm going to take a three-year contract or a two-year contract. So I can show you. And then at that second contract, now try to get that big money. I don't know if the collective bargaining agreement allows for them to take those shorter contracts at the beginning of their career. But if you want to get to where you have leverage sooner, obviously a five-year contractor being under team control for five years is going to put, when you take that leverage away from the team and, and you give it to yourself by doing a three-year contract, or maybe it becomes a contract, a three-year contract with a player option. I know, was it, was, who uh, didn't Kirk Cousins, wasn't his contract like the first fully guaranteed contract? Yes. In, in the NFL. So there's there's wiggle room, and the players just have to figure it out. W where do I want to assume the risk that I'm going to be able to play three years at an exceedingly high level, and it's going to pay off? Or do I want to take that five-year deal knowing that I'm going to get hung up at the end of it if I perform at that high level? Because they're not going to renegotiate. 
So I, I think Melvin, you know, Melvin's uh, going into his fifth year. I think he's, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he holds out uh, long. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. It, you know, there's some say it didn't really work for Lev Bell. Uh, you know, he did get an okay, a pretty good deal. Maybe it wasn't what he wanted, but he got a good deal. He saved his body for a year. Now we get to see, did he keep himself in football shape? Yeah, so I'm pretty much on the same page with you, uh, with Melvin Gordon. I do think that he should report. And honestly, I, I think he should probably just take the deal. From, the, from what I saw reported, they were offering him $10 million a year. He wants more than that because he thinks that he is a top-tier running back and deserves to be paid that way. I personally do not see him that way. Now, I am all for every player getting as much money as they can, especially in a sport as brutal as football. But there's a saying that a lot of people say or, or give athletes when people complain about how much money they make, and they're, they're worth what someone's willing to pay you. And the Chargers are only willing to pay you $10 million a year. You should probably take that as a little bit of a hint. I don't think that Melvin Gordon deserves Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell money. He is not that good. I just, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I really don't think that I am. I don't think that he is a top five running back in the NFL. I mean, the Chargers have proven that they can win without him with guys like Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. Yes, they're not as talented as Melvin Gordon, but they can win without him. So I don't think that him holding out is going to end up helping his leverage any, not that he has any, because he's not like Le'Veon Bell. He has, he's under contract. Le'Veon Bell was technically not under contract because he refused to sign the franchise tag. Correct. Melvin Gordon is under contract. So if he holds out, as I think it's exactly what you've talked about before, he's not doing anything. He, he Then the, the Chargers are still going to hold his rights next year. So if he comes back, sure. If he comes back in week 10 or whatever and they don't keep him on the sidelines for a certain amount of time and he gets his six games in and gets his full year, then they could. Maybe they won't franchise tag him next year, but they could. And then what's he going to do? The same thing as Le'Veon Bell. If you sit out for two years, what are the chances you're going to come back and play? What are the chances if you do set out this year that someone's going to pay you more than $10 million? I just don't think that it's that crazy. I mean, again, maybe if he's offer, if he's asking for $13 million and they're offering to pay you 10 can you really not meet him in the middle and say 11 5 right. or something like that a year? I mean, yeah. if they're offering you a four- or five-year deal for that much money, I get that it sucks when you think about you're missing out on an extra million dollars if you meet him in the middle somewhere. But I just don't see it happening, and I don't see the trade happening either. What team is going to give up multiple assets to get him and then turn around and pay him $13 million a year? I just don't see it. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. There's There are teams with cap space out there that need a running back, such as the Houston Texans. There was a couple more I was thinking of. But I, I don't see them parting with assets that they're going to need or to give up to get Melvin Gordon and then turn around and pay him, especially with a team like the Chargers because they're probably not looking for picks. They're probably looking for pro players right now because they're in that Super Bowl window. So I, I think it's it's – gonna be crazy to watch with him what happens uh again we there's no way of us knowing if he is or isn't gonna report because we all thought Le'Veon Bell was gonna report at some point in time last year and he never did so I guess there is that option or maybe he does wait until week nine or ten like we all thought Le'Veon Bell was going to last year but it's insane to me on Zeke since since we're already talking about Gordon and his holdout it does seem like Zeke is saying that he is fine waiting for he's pretty much come out and said he's fine waiting as long as it takes to get his contract Jerry Jones has 
I, I kind of gone back and forth on he's not going to pay him, he is going to pay him. I don't know how all that's going to go down. I guess the biggest thing for Zeke, because I would imagine you pretty much feel the same way you you do about Melvin Gordon with him as, as I do with, with Zeke, although I do think Zeke deserves to get paid more than Melvin Gordon. He needs to show up to camp. Who would you take uh, in replacement of him if he is going to end up sitting for multiple games this year for both of them? Who would you rather have? Uh, we'll start with Melvin Gordon. Would you rather have Austin Eckler or Justin Jackson? And then with Zeke, would you rather have uh, Pollard or Weber? Well, I think with uh, the Chargers, I I think it's going to come down. To, it'll be probably 55-45 uh, to Eckler. Um I think that Jackson, they may be even in touches and carries, but uh, Eckler will get more of the passing game, so he'll get more touches and more snaps. Um, so it'll, it'll come down to how well do you think uh, Jackson will, will run the ball? Uh, will he get the end zone carries to offset Eckler's uh, passing down work? Yeah. You know I don't know. I, I like Jackson. I thought he looked good last year. Uh, looking at the numbers just on face value, you know, he had a sub four yard per carry average. So, it you know, he, he it was buoyed by, you know, a few good plays. You know, he looked quick. He looked strong. But he's not that he's really not that much bigger than Eckler. And so to automatically assume, oh, he's going to be the big back. Well, he's he's only like 5'10 and 205 versus Eckler's 5'9 and you know 195. So I I don't think I don't think you're gonna replace Gordon with just one of them. And so if Gordon if you lose Gordon, the I think the best you can hope for is that uh, and you have one of those other two is that they can make it up into the RB2 range. So I, I I would probably go Eckler as much as I like Jackson's talent. Uh, I think Eckler is going to get more opportunity in the passing game. So I'm going to let that sway me over to his side. Gotcha. Yeah, I think for me right now, um, I would probably go Jackson just because he's cheaper. And I do think that he can be a, a better runner than Eckler is. I think Eckler would... He struggled a little bit, at least staying healthy with the running ball. Again, he isn't much smaller than Justin Jackson, so I could be wrong on this. But for those things, for for them and for the Tony Pollard and Mike Weber conversation, I think for me, I'd just rather take the guy that's cheaper right now, whichever you can get cheaper, because they're both probably going to be in, as you were just saying, 50-50 splits. So give me the guy who's cheaper, who can probably bring me back at least some production until either one of the go- one of those guys come back. On a uh... Really quick before we finish up some of this uh, breaking news stuff, uh, there's a couple more holdouts I just want to touch on. Trent Williams is holding out from the Washington Redskins. Again, that's a big deal because he is not necessarily the key anchor to that offensive line, but they are much better with him there. There have been reports that uh, teams are trying to trade for him, so that is something to watch because anybody who gets him at left tackle, if he can stay healthy, will immediately boost their line with adding him on there. And then Jadavion Clowney is also holding out from Houston, which is a big deal because that he, that I don't I don't shouldn't say that defense needs him, uh, but he would be huge if that de- for that defense if he is there. So that that is definitely something to watch as well. 
Uh, side note, or a smaller note, Cameron Meredith did get picked up by the New England Patriots, so all of those people who believe in Cameron Meredith, he might get a second chance here with New England. Uh, I think that's something you got to watch, though. He hasn't made the team or anything, but he is with the Patriots, so we'll see if he can come back healthy. Uh, Dennis, you were talking about a story with Matt Breida being used all over the place. Your thoughts on that, and what was uh, what was the story that came out? You know, it, it, they were just talking about him being lined up at receiver and uh, – sharing the backfield I, you know Breida showed last year well he got dinged up a lot he didn't miss time uh he went out for a few series here and there but for the most part he pl- he kept playing so he's a tough son of a gun uh I, I like it i like the energy he brings to his game and the offense that he's in that uh kyle shanahan offense suits his game very well so there is the potential that him and uh, Tevin Coleman, they might get on the field together, which could boost Breida's snap count. Um, I, I do think they're going to start the year with Coleman as the lead back, but I think Breida is pushing him and showing that he brings a lot of value to the table. So, uh, in, in a team that really only has Garoppolo and Kittle as established positions. No, everything else is wide open. It could go, you know, the running backs, they've got four of them that can all kind of do basically the same thing. Uh, And, you know, the same thing at wide receiver. They've got, what, Pettis and Goodwin and Samuel and Taylor. They've got a a ton of pieces, Richie James. So there's a ton of pieces in San Francisco. It's just going to come down to who is going to actually take the jobs keep the jobs uh, and produce so there there's a lot of dice to roll in that backfield in that wide receiver room but uh, given where Breed is going you know you talked about taking the cheaper one in the the Chargers backfield uh, Breed is going uh, after uh, Tevin Coleman and he's a uh, uh, you know he could ter- turn off to turn out to be quite the payoff there yeah um Especially with McKinnon being on the pup list and everything, and Breida can be moved around like that, I do think that's going to be huge for him. And a guy who's still kind of going much later than the other two right now, although those ADPs may have changed, especially with McKinnon being on the pup list. He, he might be below uh, Matt Breida now, but Matt Breida is definitely worth rostering, especially because we've seen him do it. He, he did a really good job last year, even being injured. He still kept playing in all the games. Um, I would imagine even if he gets a little banged up here this year, he'll still stay in there and, and produce like he did last year. We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm going to hit you. I'm not going to be able to do that. You don't want no problems, bro. You are my boy. I'm a man. It's about to get ugly. I want to score. Yeah. You don't want to talk so much. It's time to do now. Not just a good old-fashioned rear-end whipping. Get a house. for any of the breaking news stuff that we have here. So let's talk about the Hall of Fame game. Uh, I know, Dennis, you said that you didn't get a chance to watch much of it. I got a chance to watch a little bit of it and some recaps. Um, So I'll just kind of give a quick thought. Again, this game probably is the most meaningless game uh, outside of the Pro Bowl because neither team is really 
game planning for this game or anything. It's really just kind of that first game to kick off the entire NFL season because it is Hall of Fame weekend for the NFL. Uh, Noah Fant looked a little scared. No, I shouldn't say scared. He looked worrisome for me out there a little bit, dropped a few passes. Uh, even the ones that he caught were kind of double-caught. Uh, it was a little bit ugly for me, but I think that he will be fine. Uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about Drew Locke today and how bad he looked. The one thing I'll say about Drew Locke, I think he was 7 for 11 for 34 yards. The one thing I'll say about Locke is he is not getting any kind of real team reps right now. Everything is going to Joe Flacco because Vic Fangio has come out and said that Drew Locke is not ready to play in the NFL right now. He is not ready to be a starting quarterback. Joe Flacco is their starting quarterback. So I imagine a lot of those first team reps and all that stuff is going to Flacco. So I did not expect uh, Drew Locke to come out and light it up. I don't expect him to really do much this year. We'll see what happens if Denver falls out of the playoff race, if they decide to throw him out there and kind of bloody his nose a little bit, see if he can learn on the run. But I, I don't think – I'm not taking much from that Hall of Fame game. I saw a lot of people kind of bashing Locke and saying, oh, here we go again, John Elway with another failed experiment. It was like two quarters, guys. Like, let's calm down. Drew Locke really – we'll see what he is through the rest of the preseason and if he gets a chance to play this year. But don't judge him just on that first game. Well, I think with Locke, part, the part that that maybe gives me pause is Vic Fangio uh, doesn't doesn't pull any punches in talking about how not ready Locke is. Yeah, that and is correct. That's true. Even, even last night, you know, he Fangio was not complimentary of Locke to the point where – Locke shot back in the press conference afterward, and he basically said, "Look, this is the Pro Bowl, or this is the this is the Hall of Fame game, not the Super Bowl." <laughs> trying to minimize it, so you know, I don't know if yeah, having my head coach alienate my quarterback of the future is uh, necessarily going to be a good look for either one of them. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, another thing that I want to point out. Um, is the Quadri Allison Brian Hill possible battle there in the backfield of Atlanta? So it does look like it didn't look like much of a battle last night, did that's, it? That's what I was going to say. So it looked like Edo Smith has it, which we both talked about. Edo Smith is probably going to secure that second role for now because he knows the offense. Brian Hill looked good last night, and Quadri Allison kind of struggled again. It's something to watch. I would say, obviously, based on last night, Brian Hill is probably winning that job. They got four more preseason games to go. Quadri Allison, at least in my opinion, and I know yours, is more talented than Brian Hill. So we'll see what happens. But that was definitely interesting to watch him kind of be outplayed the way that he was by Brian Hill, who's kind of been around the league here a little bit as of, of the past couple years. You know, I don't know how much of it was um, just the general vanilla offense that they were running. Mm-hmm. Um what I heard is that Allison he looked pretty sluggish. Yeah. And and you know if you if you're a later draft pick you know that's that, that's the thing Chris Carson did he came in as a six round draft pick and he he took every opportunity and and made the most of it. Allison coming in as a late round draft pick is going to have to do that same thing. And when you get an extra preseason game. And you get two targets and three carries, uh, or what was it? Three carries for two yards, or six carries for two six yards? Six carries was, for two yards, I believe. It was. It was, you know, in, on six carries, you got to make something happen, and he, you're you're playing at that point against 
guys that mostly are not going to make the Atlanta Falcons team. Yeah. And so if, if you want to secure, you know, as the rookie, you should expect, well, Freeman's not going to play. Uh, Smith and Hill are more veteran than me. I'm a late round pick, so I'm not going to get in there early. But when I do, I'm going to need to show them something. And, you know, he didn't he didn't deliver yesterday. So for somebody who's been pounding the table for Quadrialison all off season, uh, I may have to rethink this. <laughs> well, give him at least one or two more games before you rethink your position. But I, I will admit he did not start off hot last night. So last thing before we close out today's podcast, like I said in the opening, not a long one. We just kind of wanted to address a couple things here real quick, give you guys like a short pod to listen to before we're back on Monday. It is Hall of Fame weekend, which is a big deal for obviously a lot of these guys. They, I think many of them would tell you when they first started playing and, and you know, peewee through middle school, high school, however, you know, up through college, they didn't necessarily have making it to a Hall of Fame on their mind. But as you got through the years and started realizing, hey, like I'm having a pretty good career, it would be great to get into the Hall of Fame. This is a huge moment for a lot of these guys. You can tell if anybody watches them. I try to watch as much of the enshrinement ceremonies as I can. So I think it's a big deal. I I love it. I love the MLB Hall of Fame stuff, NFL as well. Just the speeches and seeing them talk about and thank the people that you wouldn't expect. You know, their high school coach, their, their, well, most, Everybody would probably know some of their college coaches, at least back then. But the people, it's always, they always think the people you don't expect them to and and who really had a huge impact on their lives. Obviously, their parents, some of them obviously came from single parent homes. Some kids, some of them were adopted. Like, it's very unique to hear all their stories. This year's uh, Super Bowl class is is very much DBU uh, with a lot of defensive backs going in. So we had Champ Bailey who obviously played with uh, the Washington Redskins, but more known for playing with the Denver Broncos. You have uh, Tony Gonzalez, that obviously a great tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs and Atlanta Falcons. Uh, back onto the DBs, you had Ty Law, for the, who played for the New England Patriots, New York Jets, Kansas City Chiefs, and the Denver Broncos. Uh, Ed Reed, who's obviously famous for Baltimore, but also played with Houston and the New York Jets. Johnny Robinson, who's old school, Kansas City Chiefs right there. Um, Apparently a very good player. I don't know much about him. You also have the offensive lineman Kevin Mahi, which I believe is how you say it. And then the contributors to the game, Gil Branch, who is uh, credited with the way that the NFL draft is now. Uh, A lot of teams back in the day were not drafting the way that we see teams doing it now. And it was Gil Branch and... um, my goodness, is Jimmy Johnson with the Dallas Cowboys who really kind of changed the way that the draft started with the way they did things. I believe that was back with the Herschel Walker trade and really kind of changed the way the NFL draft is and what it has become. And he's really credited with that. And then obviously you have Pat Bowen, who is uh, the owner of the Denver Broncos or was the owner of the Denver Broncos. Um, if, you know, if you guys saw or if you watched the game last night, you saw his kids come out, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn arm and everything for him. He, he's very well respected and loved. Uh, like I said, for me, it's just it's it's fun to watch. If, if you guys have time this weekend, I believe it all starts on tomorrow. Just watch these guys, listen to their their stories and and their the lives that they took getting here because it's not quite the glitz and glamour that we think it is. Uh, when we watch the games on Sunday, we just we think that these people are you know 
inhuman warriors and all this stuff, but they've really got a lot that's happened to them, especially some of them in their lives. And some really good, some really bad, but I just think it's a it's a great experience altogether. And if you love football and love watching a lot of these guys, I watched you know most of my entire life growing up and watching football. So I will be tuned in for that. And we just I wanted to give everybody a heads up on that and, and to make sure to watch that if you have time. Dennis, do you have any thoughts on the Hall of Fame or, or the class this year? Yeah, I, you know, it was interesting. I did listen to a little bit of Gil Brandt and, and, uh, you know, I read, read some of his stuff and for somebody who's considered relatively old school, you know, he was out there, you know, now this weekend or this week, he's been talking about, uh, how computers and analytics really helped feed, uh, his decision-making process, even, even back in the Jimmy Johnson era. So it, it, it's nice to see, you know, you wonder because uh, Mike Rickardotti here in Columbus on 97 when the fan was saying today that, uh, you know, there's uh, like, I think the Chargers, he said the Chargers don't even have an analytics department. Wow. And here's Gil Brandt, this old man talking about how analytics really changed the game for him. And uh, now he's in the Hall of Fame. So I found that pretty interesting. You know, we talk about, you know, uh, in the nerd herd when in the, the on the editorial board about how we're applying analytics to the stories that we write. And, and so to, to think that there's still NFL teams out there that aren't diving into analytics just seems quite bizarre to me. Um, you know, let me ask you a question here. Yeah. Tony Gonzalez, mm-hmm. Chief or Falcon? Uh, see, for me, Falcon, but that's because what I remember him most as. So that that would be – I know that he played for the Chiefs, and I remember him playing for the Chiefs, but for me, my lasting memory of him is a Falcon. So, you know, and I, I think back to – I remember when Champ Bailey was traded for Clinton Portis. It was like one straight up. Yeah. You know, it's, that was a Mike – just a straight Mike Shanahan move going – I cannot evaluate defensive backs. I can surely evaluate running backs. So I'm going to give you this great running back, and you give me this great defensive back because I can go find another running back. Yeah, you know, that, that that was just straight up what it was. Oh yeah, yeah. Him uh, for me. Um, real quick before we before we close it out of here. Uh, I just want to get, for me, uh, Tony Gonzalez, Gil Brandt, based on everything that you've said and everything I've heard, and Ed Reed are kind of the three that I'm really looking forward to hearing from this weekend. Uh, if you're going to watch it, is there anybody you're really looking forward to hearing their speech? Um, not really. Yeah, okay. I, I tend to not get get wrapped up in those the speech things. I'm about the game, and so while I may have it on, uh, you know, I, I don't get... That that's just not the type of TV I watch. I guess. I got you. No, there's nothing so wrong with that. So for good for good or bad, that's just it, it may be on, but it's not. Uh, I'm I'm, I'll I'll let. I don't critique it. I don't get too emotionally involved with it, just because that's not who I am for whatever it's worth. And so I tend to let you know the people who, who, 
do enjoy that. I, I let them, I, so I let you talk about that. Hey, I got you. Nothing wrong with that. All right, so thank you, Dennis, so much for, for joining me this late Friday afternoon to do a little bit of talking about the news and the Hall of Fame stuff. We will be back on Monday with a little uh, – we'll do our top 24 wide receivers, and then we will have some different stuff in the works throughout the week. We will we'll talk about them, but have a – have a good weekend, and just remember, buddy, football is back. But before we cut out of here, I'm sorry. Let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter. I am at culture underscore coach, and you can find me at the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo on August 18th from 12 to noon at the Canton Cultural Arts Center. Looking forward to seeing you all there. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time, guys. Don't rem- don't forget if you do sign up and get tickets, use the code Knights K N I G H T S, and you guys will get five per five dollars off of your ticket, so it'll only be fifteen dollars. And again, it'll be well worth it. You know, not just us. Well, I should say us. Not only Dennis will be there, but all kinds of other great podcasts and analysts in the in- industry that you can meet up with face to face and talk about your teams and get any advice. It's going to be a ton of fun. So if you guys are in the area, make sure to go up there and check it out. Dennis, again, thank you so much for joining me, and have a good weekend. You too, man. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump at me. Golly! Only oh, tackle in the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can't. Who can make a play? I can't!